Hello and welcome to the Chronic Living Podcast, your need-to-know source for living with a chronic illness or disability. I'm your host, Alex Pappas, and I'll be sharing my experiences living with a chronic illness, as well as inviting others on to share their stories. So join me in shining a light on the world that is chronic living. All right, guys, thank you for joining me for another episode of Chronic Living. Today, I am joined by Magda, and she's going to share her experiences being part of the chronic community. Thank you for joining me. Hello, Alex. So go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself. So how old you are, uh, what you've been diagnosed with, how long you've been living yes. with it, and what it is. Uh, yes, so I'm 43 years old, as I remember correctly, yes, 43. Um, I have, as well, some people say Asperger, some other people say autism. Obviously, this is uh, kind of like what I've been living with uh, from forever. But I was diagnosed five years ago when I was 38. So okay. kind of like yeah, before that, I didn't I didn't really know that I have it, you know. I just knew that I'm a bit different. Okay. And what what kind of brought on that diagnosis? Because that, that is, yeah, 38 is fairly yeah, late you, for something like that. You know, I actually used to have a, I mean, I still have this friend. Um who kind of like she used to be a um, teaching assistant for children with um, autism and she was kind of like at some point making fun of me that she was saying that I must also have it and I would tell her shut up that's just my personality this is who I am <laughs> and uh, yeah but then at some point I started speaking online with well my current partner now and he kind of like you know, we are just kind of like chatting and chatting for a couple of months and he could never meet up with me. And uh, like he, he lived in a different town, but it, it looks like maybe an hour drive. Mm-hmm. And he was always like busy, busy, busy. And uh, one day I said, what is going on? You need to tell me. <laughs> and he said, well, I'm very stressed at work. And they said that I have Asperger and sending me for... Uh, tests and I'm like oh my god no not again and I also think that my previous partner had Asperger but he wasn't diagnosed and I was like why why not again I don't want that but then because I really liked him I started uh, reading online about Asperger and that was kind of like around the time when people started realizing that um, females also have Asperger more much more often than it used to be thought previously but Mm. they present a bit differently and i found one of those articles and i thought oh my god that's me that's just and kind of like that's that's um that's when i when i knew but to be honest i wouldn't go for diagnosis but i only went uh, for diagnosis because i had problems at work and they were kind of like you know kind of like bullying and stuff so yeah, uh, I na- naively thought that, you know, because people with Asperger are much more often bullied. Uh, so I thought, oh, if I have if I have a diagnosis, the bullying will stop. And it turned out that it's not true. And kind of, yes, so that's but that's that's how I got for diagnosis. Well, that's the thing, too. And, and I know. Well, from my understanding of autism, autism has a very, very wide spectrum of it as well. Um, and the range of that spectrum depends on, you know, how much it's prevalent in everybody and how it affects you. But yeah, I think it's, 
I guess as we get more modern time, people are starting to understand it more. So they're properly diagnosing it, even if it is kind of on the mild side where it might not be something super prominent that just affects you yeah, in certain ways. You see, the, the thing about mild, like, I mean, obviously, like you could say maybe I'm mild, but the thing is that I maybe present like I kind of like talk to people normally, but the thing is I still don't understand them. Like mm -hmm. I can kind of like, oh, well, let's say just this diagnosis thing. You know, I was really sure that if I bring a diagnosis to work, then the, the person who is bullying me will stop. You know, that's just like, it's just like, didn't occur to me that the, that the nice people would not bully me to begin with, even if I didn't have diagnosis. So kind um, of like, no, yeah. no one explained things to me. And well, that's, I mean, that's one of those things, like, <clears throat> when you get diagnosed with something, whether, whether it's, you know, something like autism or physical disability or mental disability or just chronic condition in general, um, people do treat you differently the more open you are about it. I mean, I definitely noticed that with colitis, more so in the dating field than anything. Oh, um, like, you mean in what sense? Like, you think that someone rejected you because of that? Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. No, so no. when you have a, when you have a chronic condition, I noticed at least over here, uh, dating wise, people are a lot less likely to deal with you, which at first was kind of annoying. Like, I'm not going to lie. Um, I would say dating eight out of 10 people that you could connect with would stop talking to you or stop associating with you. If you kind of brought it up or brought to their attention that you're dealing with something, some sort of chronic illness, which I think is fairly normal. I've talked to a lot of people on the podcast about that, but you get treated differently. And at first, I always thought it was a bad thing because you're like, man, they're treating me differently. This isn't fun. Um, but I started to realize that it's actually a good thing, or at least I, I see it as a good thing. People treat me differently because of it, because it saves me a lot of time, like a lot of time. Um, a lot of people in this day and age, unfortunately, are more focused on what they can get out of a person than who the person is. Um, and those are the kind of people that will treat you differently if you're dealing with a chronic illness or, you know, mental disorder, disease, right. disability. Um, and I think it saves me a lot of time. Like, I'm gonna be honest. And I'm kind of like in a, in a roundabout way, I'm kind of grateful for it because, you know, dating, for example, if I'm talking to someone, because I've tried it out and I bring up colitis early and they say they're not interested. Well, Cool. cool they're not interested i talked to him for a couple of days and that was it you know you move on but i don't bring it up say we talk hang out things go really well as a connection two or three months down the road well i, I get infusions every six weeks or okay. maybe i'm gonna flare up and don't have the energy for it you know okay. so you bring it up at a later time and then they start acting differently well now you wasted two three four months with a person for them to f then decide they want to deal with you know treat you differently that is really not nice well it's not nice but it saves a lot of time it, hmm. it gets those it gets those toxic and you know negative people out of your life a lot faster and that's that's part of why i'm kind of i'm personally so open about it like i i bring it up a lot and i talk to a lot of people about it not only for the education aspect but 
I do it to judge and gauge a person. If I say oh, I have colitis, yeah. yes, okay. Like if I say I have colitis and you start acting differently, you're like I judge how a person treats and acts around me. Okay. Once they know, well, yeah, makes, makes sense. Yes. Because you can, you mm. can, you can judge a person a lot of, uh, about or around that, and you can tell. I mean, the people that that start to look and treat at you differently, they just. I personally just cut them out of my life just fine. I don't have mm. I don't have time for low quality individuals in my life. <laughs> as bad as that sounds. But oh, yeah, well, I'm kind of like I'm I'm sorry to hear it, but then you know, kind of like I would say like my experience is a bit different because when when I when I told started telling people on dating website. Uh, that uh, I have a spot, I probably have a starter when I started telling them. I mean, uh, this this guy, I mean, my current partner kind of like at some point stopped, we just stopped talking to each other for a couple of uh, couple of weeks. And I was still on dating websites and uh, chatting with other guys. And suddenly, like, you know, I told one guy that I have probably have a starter waiting for diagnosis. And he wanted to date me, you <laughs> know, like, I don't, well, maybe, maybe not he wanted to date me because I have asparger, but sometimes like maybe, uh, like before, maybe kind of like everyone knew that I'm a bit different and they didn't know how to connect with me and still maybe they liked me, but kind of like they just like, I, how to explain it, like, you know, I had this experience with uh, guys, like a lot of guys like me, but then no one asked me out. Kind of like, I know that something is, something was going on, but no one asked me out. And then suddenly they stopped talking to me with no, you know, no reason. They, they, and I'm thinking always like, what, uh, did, I didn't reject them because they didn't ask me out. And only when I realized that I have a sparger, I, so okay so people basically if they don't give uh, ask each other out just out of nowhere then they first they give each other hints and i wasn't giving those hints and i wasn't receiving them so if someone was giving hints that they are interested and I, I mean i don't know how those hints would look like like i would still smile but kind of like i suppose like it wasn't progressing on the yeah does that make sense to you well yeah and that's and that's like, that's one of the things i mean yes depending on the level and you know i guess where you fall on it a, a lot of people with autism do miss a lot of those social cues um and that was something yes. i definitely talked about with the uh brandon a couple of weeks ago same thing you know he he would miss a lot of those social cues because it's just <clears throat> not something you pick up on it's nothing you know you're intentionally doing is just how your brain processes and does things yes yes so kind of like how i understand it now is that those guys basically were thinking that i'm making fun of them because the, the on you know on the, the hint level it wasn't progressing and that's yeah. why they would just stop uh stop talking to me yeah and i was like, always like you know just that was very frustrating so basically well, yeah since i i, I had this <laughs> I, I remember that i was laughing uh, with this guy that i was dating like um 
Oh, I, I'm saying I, I told him that I have I start stop talking. Uh, sorry, I uh, told people that I have aspirations, and then the two uh, two guys want to date me like before I didn't have anyone. <laughs> so that was yeah, yeah. But, but then I'm. Uh, sorry. I think part of that might be just understanding how you you think. So you know, bringing it up and them understanding. Okay, well, she's got this they can be a lot more straightforward or they can kind of work with it, understanding, Hey, well, she's got this, she's probably not noticing me flirting or doing this. So I got to be more direct. You know, if that makes sense. Yes. Yeah. Something like that. Yes. But then at, at the end, I chose the previous, previous guy who's now my partner, but we don't live together. So kind of like it, I think it works for us for now. Yes. I mean, you know, in, in a certain way, it's, it's not a bad thing because, kind of makes it easier to understand how you think and what you're thinking about because you're more direct or you, you need that more direct interaction or you know I guess communication yes yeah which is I mean when dealing with females it's not a bad thing um, you think so okay well <laughs> uh, I mean yeah yeah <clears throat> trying trying to understand what a female that doesn't have autism thinks about on a regular basis and how their brain works is complicated enough so it's it's not a not a bad thing. I mean, you know, it, it, I can see its benefits. Okay, okay. <laughs> it sounds horrible coming from me, but you know. <laughs> All right. Yeah, this is positive. But yeah, like, <clears throat> and that's that's one of those things. Like knowing that ahead of time, it's one. It's important because knowing it, you can kind of look into it. You can be more educated on it, and you can adapt to another person if that's what they're dealing with to understand how they think and kind of what they need when it comes to communication um but yeah i could i could see where that might be a little more popular with certain people especially if they understand what it is um and people that are more aware of the condition yes yeah hopefully you know kind of like i'm just thinking like what a pain that actually no one knew earlier because like it's just like in some situations, like, you know, I mean, with guys, but also to be honest with females also like, so it was so frustrating. Like, I remember, like, I used to have this friend kind of like, that was back in my uh, family village where I come from in Poland. And I was like in my early twenties and she texted me and say, asking, uh, can we meet up today? And I just uh, said, I can't do today. I'm." Uh, I'm painting my room and I didn't I didn't say maybe in two days or maybe in three days when I finish I didn't give her any other options and she didn't reply and I'm like thinking why she's not replying are she are she try are she trying to manipulate me because I don't have time for her and you know it didn't even occur to me that it could sound like I'm just not interested because if I was interested I would give her different different day is an option yeah does, does that make sense no that makes sense and i mean from my understanding you're focused on painting you're not focused on like you're yeah. doing the project you're working on you're not worried about what's going to happen afterwards it's like nope i'm sticking to this yeah, kind of like yeah and it didn't kind of like it didn't didn't come to me to think how other people can see this communication like you know no one told me or sometimes like I would like, I don't know, kind of like I would make fun of 
people, you know, that kind of like people make fun of each other in um, in social situations, and in some situations it's acceptable, and at others it's not. And I'm like, how do I know which one is which? And I, would, for example, meet a new person uh, like that I was hoping to be friends with, and she was very nice and stuff. And I was starting like making fun of her over text messages, and it just it just went nowhere, and she would stop replying to me or become distance or something, you know. And kind of like I just like so now I'm like the opposite. I never make fun of people, or almost never. And then I'm thinking like maybe I'm boring, you know. Oh, that's fair, and it's and that that comes back to the it's like talking about it ahead of time you can be more prepared and understanding and the people you're around can understand it more which is good uh, how is your life in america can you tell me about explain me things about this health insurance you know kind of like i find it well, really confusing like how people cannot have health insurance it's horrible our healthcare system is bad it's really expensive <laughs> And what about like people? I can like barely yeah. hear you. Oh, sorry. What about now? Yep, yep. What'd you ask? Yeah, maybe. Yeah. So what about people like, for example, cleaners? They're not very well paid, but you need, you need cleaners. So I mean, if you're if you're a full time employee and you have forty hours, you get health insurance through your your work company. They oh, provide, okay. Yep. They so provide health insurance. You have to pay a certain amount for it, and your employer pays a certain amount for it. Okay. And you get a health care plan. Then, once you have a health care plan, if you're a full time employee, you can put yourself, your spouse, and then dependents. So if you have any kids on the health care plan, and you have to pay more for each person. Oh my god um so, then, then even okay. if you have a health care plan when you go to the doctor you have to pay a deductible the deductible okay. depends on the type of doctor that it is if you have a test done you have to pay a deductible and even though you pay a deductible that might not cover the full expense of the test oh my god if you get a met if you so, pick up medication you got to pay your deductible and that might not even cost cover the full cost of it um and then every insurance company, you have like a max out of pocket. So the most that you can pay per year on things other than your deductible. Um, okay. So then what if someone gets seriously ill? Uh, you got to go to the hospital and you got to pay a bunch of money. So oh for example, you might go to the hospital for a week. And say you're in the hospital for the week and it costs you $10,000. What? That ten thousand dollars, your insurance company might pay eight thousand of that ten thousand. Ah, okay. yeah, but still, at least you have. Oh my God, you still need to pay two thousand. Yep, you still have to pay two thousand dollars. Oh my God, this yep. is horrible. Yep, like um, I get I get Remicade every six weeks. My Remicade infusions cost eight thousand dollars before my insurance company pays for anything. Um, oh, oh my god i pay about 500 dollars in infusion okay 
And then once I do eight of them, eight of them, yeah, I reach my deductible limit of $4,000 for the year. Once I've paid $4,000 for the year to my insurance company or to, you know, providers for whatever medication or whatever I'm doing, then my insurance company pays for everything 100%. But healthcare in America is very expensive. It's mostly the medication costs um, and the way that they do it, but we don't, we don't have like healthcare provided by the government. If you make under a certain amount of money, you can get the government, like Medicare, I believe, um, which helps you cover things if you're not insured. But yeah. Hmm. Yeah, it's it's not very, very stressful, you know? Oh, it's incredibly stressful. I've spent probably like thirty-five to forty thousand dollars over the past six years on medical oh expenses. God. It's like it's like a new car. It's like a down payment on a house. Yeah, I just what I've just paid it to my doctors. Yeah. Oh, so what I'm about, thinking like you know, UK it's like much easier because most things are free. Kind yeah, like does the government it. give you guys like health insurance? Yeah, it's kind of like, you know, it's, there's not even those things like, um, well, there are some private uh, private companies that provide insurance, but kind of like no one is really uh, too bothered about them. Everyone is under government. And I'm thinking like a lot of people complain, but I'm thinking it actually works really well because I'm, I'm, I'm originally from Poland. So kind of like I compare it with Poland and I'm thinking like, Okay, it's really well, and we pay for the dentist and for prescription. But the prescription is like one charge for prescription is uh, just under nine pounds or just over nine pounds now. So kind of like you know, if I'm not on any medication, then obviously I'm not paying anything. Or if I'm on medication, then I may pay like just nine pounds a month. That's so it. that is like. Budget. I think around 12, 12, 12 uh, dollars. And in Poland, it's a bit like, you know, I'm thinking like everyone in, in Poland is like obsessed with going to private doctors and they are very easily available. Like you don't go uh, through any insurance company, you just go directly to the doctor. So the doctor may be working in the hospital for like eight hours and then after that he goes to a private clinic or maybe kind of like even like he may be like one small room where he is his, himself just just him and no one nobody else that it can even happen like that and he uh, he has patience for another two hours you know and kind of like sometimes like it's like i read funny stories like for example uh, women who are pregnant like go uh, privately to gynecologist um, in Poland like every every month once a month and once a month is provided for by the government so they go every other uh, every other week because uh, once uh, one, they go once privately and once on the government that could be different doctors kind of like you know excessive they, <laughs> yes you know how much and, that would cost to do in America <laughs> You would be yeah. broke by the time you had that child if you went every month, every two weeks. Yes, yeah, probably. You would be broke. Poland, it's quite, 
I'd say like, well, it maybe it used to be like this kind of visit used to be like 80s lotus, I suppose now maybe a bit more, but that would be around uh, 20, 20 pounds for like a private visit at the doctor. I've, I've and, paid like $80 for a basic prescription that I have to go pick up. Oh my God. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. It seems like most other places outside of the United States, they provide you with healthcare just by the government. And it sounds yeah, I, a lot better. Yeah, I, th I think from what I've heard, US is the only country that don't, don't provide it. And I, kind of, I, I just know, I just can't even, you know, I can't even imagine that. How can you not, not just have it, you know? Yeah, yeah, it's incredibly expensive. But then, what about like, you know, if, if someone just don't have money to pay for it, then what do they do? You know, bankrupt. Because I mean, there's, there's a lot of people in America that, that don't get treated because they can't afford it. But then, you know, kind of if you don't get treated, then you die early, your quality of life is poor. And then even if, it, if your quality of life is poor, you don't... Uh, contribute to the economy which is like i don't know i just i just cannot imagine like especially that it's so such a powerful country you know and yeah yeah we we have a really bad healthcare system and the problem is nobody can agree on how to fix it so mm. nobody yeah. can agree on how to fix it there's like a ton of different ideas and nobody can pick one that's better right so uh, are they are people actually trying to do anything about it like i mean government um yes and no they're trying to do things however they're not going to make any big enough of a change because they can't convince people to make up their mind in one direction to turn it oh, like everyone's so split okay. and they want to go different directions so yeah, it's okay. it's a mess. What what about other like like is is that is that true that uh, people are so kind of like focused on customer service that everyone is smiling everywhere? Not in the healthcare system, I can tell you that. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> kind of I mean, like certain places are good about that, but. That applies to like retail stores, not so much the healthcare system. Okay. Kind of like, you know, um, that's what I thought before I came to the UK, that everyone is kind of like polite everywhere. And maybe, I don't know, maybe people are, but at the same time, like they, I think like, I feel like there's not, I don't know how to say, it, not, not so much protection from uh, I, don't, I don't, I don't even know what I, what I want to say. Like for example, uh, monks can do whatever they. That's that's my kind of like ex, uh, explanation. Sorry, that's kind good? of like how I interpret uh, interpret things. That kind of like one can do whatever they want with you. That's 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 how I see it. Like I don't know. Even like they are nice to you, they're nice, but kind of like they just 
kind of ripping you off here and there and somewhere like changing, you know, they have like a really long um, set of rules, you know, that government has nothing um, kind of like, they're like, like trying to change it, I think, kind of like, I don't know, I just like, I feel like people are protected better from um, scam in, in a way in Poland. That's that is my that is my own opinion. Well, Even though actually my mom was victim of scam and maybe that's kind of like when it came to when it came to that it wasn't actually that easy, but maybe like law is better if it makes sense. Well, it would be nice if they changed the uh, healthcare system and made it cheaper for everybody. A little more a little yeah, more reasonable. Like, I'm thinking like if if it costs so much then someone obviously in, in the in the US and someone obviously needs to pay the difference <laughs> if people stop paying. Yeah, I don't um, where, I don't understand the, how that works. Essentially essentially how it works is all the people that are healthy that have health insurance that never use it, that pay money to have it, they pay for all the people that are sick that use their health insurance all the time. It's it's a really weird system. Just like I'm I'm not actually sure, you know, even how it's uh, covered in the UK. I suppose it's just covered from taxes. Yeah, most places everyone everyone gets their health insurance via taxes. You know, the, the government pays for it and is tax you more. Yeah. So, okay, so we covered health insurance and I'm kind of like, I'm actually shocked because, you know, kind of like, I was like thinking that maybe what I sometimes hear is not true. Yep, my like health insurance is bad. How can, but, but how can you get bankrupt because you get sick and have no money, you know? Welcome to Just America. Like, do, do you then, in that case, do you have like charities or some? I don't know, some kind of system that helps people to, um, when they recover, when let's say someone has cancer and got bankrupt because of that, and they recovered and they still need to live somewhere, they need a car, and just... I mean, there's, there's a lot of people in the US that like, they have a house, they have a job, they get sick and they lose it all. They have to sell their house because they can't afford anything. Like it's it's a common thing. It's not. I mean, it's not super common where it's like every single person, but there are people that like they get cancer and the the treatments are so expensive they can't pay for it. They lose their house and they have to oh, sell their cool. house to pay for the expenses. Because the problem is, if you get sick, if you have health insurance and you get sick, if you lose your job, you lose your health insurance. So if you're ah, sick okay. for too long, you lose your job. Now you don't have health insurance. So now you have to pay for everything at its cost. So yeah, a lot of people go they go bankrupt. They have to sell their house. They have to sell everything. Just like uh, scary because obviously they pay, probably end up with having uh, some kind of stress disorder on top of everything because otherwise it's not it's just it's just I just can't imagine that. Yep. A bunch of unnecessary stress and expenses. But 
don't know, hopefully it changes at some point. <clears throat> However, I know it is very expensive and colitis is one of the more expensive diseases to have. Oh my God, no. So are you worried? That's I mean, I have health mean. insurance that covers most of it and kind of used to the expenses that it, that it costs. Okay. It would just be nice if I didn't have to spend as much money on it. Okay, well, yeah, obviously, you know, sometimes like, I would definitely have a house of my own right now and not be renting if I if I didn't have colitis. Okay. I would, have, no, I would definitely no, have the okay. money for it. Okay. Oh my god. But I spend a lot on a lot on my medical bills. Mm. But it is what it is. You get used to it. Oh well. Why don't you move somewhere else? Come to the UK. Oh, because I like it here. Ah, okay. And what, which which part of the uh, U.S. do you live in? I'm on the East Coast, so I'm in Virginia. Um, what climate do you have? Um, it's a little bit of a warmer climate. It's definitely warmer than the U.K. Um, I mean, it's been yeah, like 90 okay. degrees all week. Okay, so I can I can imagine why you like it. I yeah, like I live I live right on the beach. Yeah. Oh, I want that. I want the beach. Oh, well, the, the place, well, you know, the funny thing is that where I come from, uh, that's kind of like a village in the center of Poland. We mm -hmm. have a nice lake and there's a beach. It's kind of not like maybe 15 minutes walk from my house. So not that, not that far. And kind of like at some point when I moved out from the village, I kind of like didn't miss it at all. Like my friends wanted to go to the beach, you know, and I'm thinking, what for? <laughs> I had a beach a couple of minutes walk from home all my life. And I'm like, I'm not bothered. But now I'm, oh, I want a house at the beach. Yeah, it's nice. I live, I live pretty close to the beach, so I can go down and sit and listen to the waves and everything. It's nice. No, I mean, medical cost is expensive, but I'll be fine. I've gotten used to my setup and where can I get in the cost of things down? So, how old are you? Because you asked me and I didn't ask you. I am 27. 27. Okay. So you are very young. Yep. And yep. how long, did you, when did you start this podcast? uh three months ago roughly three months ago okay maybe four and what are your if you don't mind asking long-term plans regarding the podcast so podcast i'm starting this podcast form goal is to move into youtube start doing some youtube videos down the road okay. um as it grows with other people I need to start a TikTok at some point and start doing some TikTok videos. I've been posting on like Instagram and Twitter on a more regular basis to get more followers. Um, but the idea would be to grow the podcast into a brand and okay. using that brand's income to help people in the chronic community. Oh, yeah, that's, that would be actually very nice. Yes. So, so that's kind of you thinking like set up a charity. Um, no, not, not an actual charity because the charity has specific restrictions that they have to fall ah, within, okay. but definitely a, a brand and a business that revolves around helping. Okay. Oh, 
Yeah, that would be that would be nice. Yes. So I th I think we need to have a lot of people who talk about interesting stuff. Yeah, and that's that's why you know I've had a lot of different people on that have a lot of different diseases, illnesses, and and disabilities all around. Um, and the goal of it is to kind of bring a lot of the communities together, to have one large community of people that are dealing with stuff. Because a lot of us, you know, I feel a lot of us deal with very similar things, even though we have very different diagnoses. You know, 70 to 80% of what we deal with on a day-to-day -day basis affects everybody. And then that okay. 20 to 30% affects people, you know, it, it specifically revolves around your diagnosis. Like, you know, workplace limitations, how people treat you, dating, social life, dealing with your doctors, your medications, everybody deals with that. And everybody's life changes or is, you know, you're treated differently when you have a chronic illness or a disability in those categories. And then depending on what you have, there's specific things that you have to focus on. Like, you know, you, you can't read certain body languages or certain, you know, flirting okay, or certain things yeah. that people do because it's not direct enough. Whereas myself with colitis, I just can't eat certain things. I can't eat certain things. My body can't, you know, I don't have the energy to do certain things. And that's specific to colitis. Okay. But, so. so when you have a flare, a flare up, how, how does it look like? If you don't mind me asking. Oh, there's just a lot of things I can't eat. Like I'm in the bathroom a lot more. I can't eat like ah. fast foods. Um. I usually don't get as much sleep. I usually lose a lot of my energy. That's not nice at all. No, but my medication keeps it pretty, pretty consistent. Okay. And did you have it in your family? Yeah. Yeah. My, my dad had colitis. So it's chronic, chronic and hereditary. Oh, my God. Not nice at all. I used to actually have a friend who had some kind of like digestive issues all the time. And the thing is, both her parents are doctors and no one knew what, what's wrong with her. Kind of like she had a lot of like, but I was thinking that maybe she had the same illness that you, but kind of like they decided, doctors decided it's not it. And she was like so skinny that she looked like anorexic and she, I'm not like that's that's sometimes so strange, you know. Even like I say, oh, okay, um, healthcare is uh, better here because it's free. But then, if no one knows what's what's wrong with you, kind of like it, it's not helping. Well, there's, I mean, there's a lot of different things that are stomach related. The most common is irritable bowel disease, which covers Crohn's and colitis. Oh, yeah. Yes. Um, I have colitis. Crohn's is very similar to colitis it's just not specifically located in any part of your digestive tract it can be throughout the entire thing oh, whereas colitis okay. is in your large intestine and your colon um then you have irritable bowel syndrome which is essentially crohn's or colitis but only during a certain period of time it acts up kind of randomly and then there's some other rarer conditions that are nasty but they're very rare that effect that I, I'm not sure what those are personally, but I have colitis. I get lumped in with Crohn's and colitis under irritable bowel disease. 
which in the United States affects about 3 million people, roughly. Uh, 3 million adults. Okay, so this is like half a percent, I think. Do you have six, 600 million habitants? Uh, 330. No. So it's about, it's about 1.2% uh, of the population. Okay, okay. okay. So I suppose uh, autism is a bit... Um, a bit kind of like similar around probably the same but obviously some people are more severe than others yep but i guess probably plenty of people are still undiagnosed you know kind of like the thing is if i wasn't bullied at work i would not go for my diagnosis so i would know that i have it or i would maybe think oh i may have it because i wouldn't be sure but I would not go for diagnosis because I was thinking like, you know, I'm 37, I've been living to that point, and I'm kind of like, I coped, so what's the point of doing diagnosis now, you know? And the thing is that there's still not, kind of like no support really, and what I find, you know, very difficult, like there's plenty of organizations in the UK that provide value support, but when you actually want something from them in a way that it would work for me, I kind of like, I feel like I just, I'm just getting nowhere, you know, kind of yeah. like organization, like, for example, no one will tell you like, you know what, I think you really need to leave this job because that colleague of you, from what I'm what I'm listening, she's just a bitch, and you just really need to get out of there because she's gonna ruin your life. No one is gonna tell you that thing, and kind of like I'm. Uh, the thing is that I didn't I didn't know that myself. Kind of like because everyone was like you know when they speak to you from the organization that supports you, everyone is politically correct, you know. And I'm oh, like, yeah. and then I'm thinking, like, what do they mean? Obviously, if they thought that I'm in trouble, they would have told me, but they didn't. So I should, I just, I, you know, you call various helplines and they tell you, oh, just make sure that you're doing everything correctly at work. So that's what I was doing. And then basically, uh, you know, kind of like I was being com constantly complain about about the situation at work to various people and I was being kind of like the company looked behaved like they were taking everything uh, seriously like at first like for example they moved me to a different location twice and then what happened like I had good relation with other colleagues in those two locations so then the managers who was good um, in good relation with the colleagues that I had problems with, so then it started treating me differently, you know. And uh, then uh, the thing is that you know when I had my dia diagnosis, I basically I, I had it uh, brought forward because I complained um, to the diagnostic center that um, uh, that I'm bullied at work and. and that was that was another thing that basically diagnostic center uh, decided to bring my diagnosis forward and i was only waiting three months instead of nine and for me that was a sign like uh, like they were telling me basically that uh, even though they didn't say it directly but that's how i understood it like they were uh, like if they were telling me 
if you have your diagnosis, this behavior will stop. So uh, that was on our NHS, so National Health uh, System. And um, um, kind of obviously the behavior didn't stop. And then I finally left and I was so upset that I took them to employment tribunal. And the company claimed in the employment tribunal that um, uh, that my diagnosis was private and they paid for it basically. And I was, the thing is that I was uh, representing myself and I was so kind of like, when I read it, I was so confused. I just felt like what I'm gonna do, you know, I didn't, I didn't know what it means. Like my first, you know, it took me three days to realize that that probably means that there were, um, uh, there were fabricated documents in my file. Uh, that my manager provide, uh, you know, put there to kind of like, you know, make me look bad, like, for example, so that no one would listen when I'm complaining. And uh, that, that took me two, three days from the time I read the response to my claim. And uh, they first, um, sorry, my first thought was, uh, that's, that's another how, example how autistic people uh, think, uh, that my my initial thought was that um, the lawyer, the, com the, the company lawyer, hired um, hired a computer hacker to uh, to change the, <laughs> to change the NHS uh, uh, data about me, so that it would uh, it would fit what what they kind of like produced. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, yeah no, I can, I can like, see. You know, I'm just like. And the thing is that I used to study IT, so it's not like it's not like I'm fluent, you know, kind of like I, I know that hacking something is not an easy task, but that was just something that came to my mind first. It made more sense, basically. Uh, yes. Nowadays, it's not not that unreasonable. See, I could I could understand where you you kind of go to that thought process. Yes, so kind of like, yeah, so that's kind of another thing. And basically what happened to me, I was I just got so stressed that I couldn't do just, you know, I felt like what I'm going to do now, kind of like I couldn't completely couldn't cope with 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 the fault, all the idea of what happened and how they're dealing with, with my claim. But basically I developed psychotic episode, like kind of like, I mean, I started hallucinating and kind of like during this hallucination, I went to Poland, kind of like bought expensive tickets, uh, stayed on the, on the way because I came, uh, I came on in the late evening and I wasn't able to get to the hot, uh, to where I, my parents lived um, from, from the airport. So I just stayed in a hotel like that was like 200 pounds. <laughs> For, per night and I didn't have a job at the moment at, at the time and just like you know it just was like so just you know kind of like at the, at the time like you know because I had hallucinations so I kind of like thought it was kind of funny you know and, and but to be honest I, I think like probably I actually needed this expensive hotel because if I stayed in a in a cheap one and you know the hallucination was getting worse during the night and I would just oh, came out of my room screaming you know and like when when I was in the expensive hotel you know the bed was very comfortable you know all the pillows and everything and so I, 
think like yeah um okay i'm kind of like scared something's happening with my head but the bed is so comfortable that i just stay and kind of like you know during all this hallucination like i i managed to get myself like you know i was hallucinating all the way through uh, through my journey and still i managed to i managed to uh, bring myself where my parents live kind of like without getting lost without uh, getting my passport lo lost or anything like that and you know kind of like um, then later I was at some point thinking about getting, um, you know, applying for benefits for disability uh, because of the psychotic episode. And when I was reading questions, the question was like, can you, can you travel? Can you walk? Can you use the toilet independently? And I'm thinking, well, I can use, I can, when I was psychotic, I could do all of it, except the one thing from the list that I couldn't do was cooking when I was psychotic. And if, apart from that, I could do anything else. And I'm thinking like the cooking wouldn't even give me enough points for anything. And I'm, it's like, well, I mean, if you complain about your government and I'm thinking like, it looks like our government thinks that when you're psychotic, it's all right for you to go to work. Because if I, if I was psychotic all the time, I wouldn't I wouldn't get any any benefits because of that because I could do those things that were on the list, you know. To be fair. Yeah, so that's that's another thing. Kind of like I feel like mental health problems are not be, being treated seriously enough here. To be fair, I know plenty of people that are fully functional that still don't know how to cook and still can't cook. <laughs> so. oh, okay, you <laughs> see. Oh man, the amount of people that don't cook in my generation is sad. Um, I mean, when it comes to mental health, I feel like most places don't take mental health seriously. Most countries, I know the United States doesn't. I mean, we have a suicide hotline for people that are at that point, but I think everything up until that point, there's not a lot of support for, there's not a lot of focus on mental health. And it's really important being part of this community and, and, when you have a chronic condition or a disability taking time to focus on your mental health and that can be things just like you know doing an activity that lets you relax and reset it can be like gaming it can be painting drawing you know writing going down to the beach and just relaxing going for a walk in nature like prioritizing mental health is really important and i don't think enough places around the world do that no no but then I think probably like, you know, a lot of things like when I was a child, actually my, my dad had, um, well, I think I'm pretty certain he was also autistic and he used to work as a welder. So kind of like, the, you know, there was a lot of flashing lights and I think kind of like that's what, that's what made him unwell and kind of like he had to go on disability when he was in his early 50s and I kind of like I saw him like kind of like uh, kind of like almost like falling apart you know like I still remember him when he was going to work and kind of like you know doing stuff with us and then at some point he would just stay in bed all day and then yeah, he, too much he got up kind of yes kind of like and the thing is that going on disability didn't bring him didn't bring him the relief I think that's that's the that's the worst part and I think partly was because 
he didn't know why he is unable to work because he was always very hardworking. And um, so basically kind of like I saw his uh, struggle, but we kind of like, we maybe talked about it at home, but not with other people. There was no, no uh, kind of like no, no space for that, you know, no one, no one ever talked about that. And you did, you didn't have it discussed, you know, mental health in like magazines or newspapers or anywhere. And um, kind of like, you know, now it's like a bit different because it's kind of like it gets discussed up to a point. It does, but there's still a stigma around it. It's still like taboo to talk about mental health and depression in general. Um, especially in the U.S., a lot of people just don't want to talk about it. Oh, is it is it because you are so positive? I know, like that's another thing that I've heard about uh, U.S. that people are always like positive and don't want to say anything negative about themselves. Maybe maybe that's part of that. There's there's a stigma around it because it can affect you in so many ways. Like if you're depressed or you're having suicidal thoughts, like. <clears throat> People, it, it can affect your job. I mean, if you're de- if you're dealing with severe depression, you could lose your job in a lot of cases. Really? That's that's yeah. I mean, it's it's fairly common. But is it is it like what's the reason for losing the job? Will they tell you? you I mean, when it, when it comes to you know extreme depression and suicide, it can be it can be like unreliability. It can be if you're dealing with uh, something that has you know y- your I guess the inability to predict how you're going to react when you're dealing with like sensitive information, whether it's client information mm. or business information, company information. But to be honest, like, you know, whoever, like, can, can you like, you know, there are people like who are very, you know, look like very confident and they, they just look confident and sometimes don't know what, what they're doing, you know? Or I mean, some, some yeah, like, it's, there's not really like a science behind it it's just a lot of, like a lot of places look very down upon people that are dealing with depression and stuff so there is that fear of being treated differently or even losing your job over it that's why i think a lot of people in america don't talk about it um so yeah it's just it's just a bad system all around hmm and is it, is it easy to lose your job? Because kind of like, I just like sometimes heard as well that you just can be, someone can come up to your desk and say, you go home now, you don't work here anymore. Is that true? Um, It, de- it depends on the state, but yeah, there's a lot of states when like that, they, they can just fire you for no reason. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. I mean, to be honest, like, you know, I think like, mm, most countries, if not all, if they want to fire you, they just, you know, what they say, they, they find their reason. Yeah. So it's not, it's not like, you know, there's no way around it. But it's just not, just kind of like, not nice if there is no protection at all, not even like on paper. Yeah, yeah scary, just, I mean, it scary. just kind of, yeah, it's, it's like that sometimes, unfortunately. Oh it's just... God. Yeah, as bad as it is, that's that's how it is. And that's that's part of why, you know, the system's so bad. 
Okay. Do you have any any like cats and dogs? Maybe I don't know why this this question is. Oh, I mean, my my roommate has two dogs and a cat, so by proxy, I have two dogs and a cat. Two dogs and a cat. Okay. Yes. Oh, that's very kind of like. Are dogs big? Uh, yeah, one's a Belgian Malinois and the other one's a uh, Black Lab. Okay. So they're, they're bigger dogs. They're like 60, 70 pounds. Uh, okay, I need to kind of like transfer it into kilograms. That's like uh, seven, eight kilograms. Okay. Oh, yeah, that's quite uh, quite big. Oh, my yeah, God. Yeah, they're, they're decent-sized dogs. Yes. Okay, that's kind of like... So you have like... So you have a roommate and you have two dogs and a cat. Yeah. And you live by the beach. Yep. Okay, that's really nice. Yep, it's pretty chill. And how are you? How how is the COVID thing? Is it all over? How's how's what? Oh COVID? COVID. Oh, I mean I have my vaccination, so I don't really worry about it, but there's uh, a lot okay. of unvaccinated people that are getting the variant and that's on them i don't know okay. i'm not i'm not a very social person so i don't go out and do a lot of socializing in general okay. surprisingly enough even though i run an, a podcast i am fairly antisocial. so oh okay hmm so you just just i I expect that you do the podcast because kind of like you uh, really want to change something. So I started the podcast because I feel personally there are things I want to do in life. Things like working in cars, building, you know, I want to do some custom car builds or like working on classic cars want to travel some i'd like to do some kiteboarding there's there's things i want to do this is one of the things i i feel like i need to do and the way i look at it i'm at that point where i feel my next step in life is to do this if i don't do this i'm not going to progress anywhere that makes sense uh okay yes i suppose it does yes like i need to do this and if i don't do this and i try to focus on other things it's just not going to work out because this is what i need to be doing right now okay good luck then good luck i hope it will work out but no it's there's there's a lot of things that go into it i think um i think the chronic community as a whole needs a lot more support and a lot more recognition I think we need to have, I mean, you know, the, the Facebook groups are great and there's a lot of resources and there's a lot of really good people on it, but I think you only get a certain level of information off of that. Being able to listen to somebody talk about their story, talk about the things they've gone through, um, especially some of the less commonly talked about things. Like I've, I've done some episodes where I've talked about depression and suicidal thoughts when I first got diagnosed with colitis. Um, and a lot of people don't talk about that. They really don't. 
because because of that stigma and that kind of view around it and it's not something you know i don't talk about things to make people feel bad for me i talk about it because at the end of the day the way i look at it is there's hundreds if not thousands of people out there that are struggling and they're struggling with a chronic illness they're struggling with a disability they're struggling with some sort of condition and tonight they're going to go to bed and before they go to bed they're going to decide if they want to wake up tomorrow or not and that's honestly the reality of the chronic community is there's a lot of people that are dealing with some really dark areas and a really dark point in their life and I don't think there's enough people that talk about that to help the people that are dealing with it. Sometimes, you know, I'm thinking like sometimes the reason maybe, maybe because people like, you know, like for me, this is the first time to be on the podcast and I'm like, oh my God, what do I say? Like I was, I was actually going to talk about the um, diagnostician who diagnosed me with OT because I think like she had uh, kind of like some special skills to use to communicate with people autistic people and I just completely like forgot about it but you know the thing is like I actually I actually have at some point after after dealing with the employment tribunal stuff I actually had a suicidal attempt at some point but then the thing is like it's not you know it's it's like I feel like I'm being put on the spot a little bit you know and I mean, it's like at first, like half an hour, we kind of like warming up, and then I'm like, okay, I wanted to, I wanted to talk about so many things, and when do I say that now, or do I say it later, or something, you know, or maybe I just don't, maybe I just won't say it at all, you know, not that I don't want people to know because actually I, I, I write write about it on my website, so it's like, you know, I'm not, I'm not hiding it, it just finding like the right moment to say writing about it and saying it are very different things i've learned that um and and certain i mean certain things are definitely harder to talk about um one of i mean one of the reasons why i started the podcast was a couple years ago um i was actually rather new to the colitis groups because i'm in a lot of the different colitis groups on facebook and they share a lot of colitis related news like a couple months ago, they shared a story about a lady with colitis that's trying to climb Mount Everest. Um, however, a couple of years ago, there was an article about this little uh, 10-year-old boy. He lived in Kentucky, and he had, I think it was Crohn's or colitis. I don't know, one of the two, some form of irritable disease, either Crohn's or colitis. And by the time he was 10, he had undergone 26 surgeries. Ah! 26 and he ended up having a colostomy bag it's like the little the bag they okay. put when they take your yes, intestine yeah. you know your large intestine out he ended up hanging himself in his closet uh-huh. when his mom oh. went to the store because no. he was bullied so much at oh 10 God. 10 years oh old oh 10 years God. old and 26 yes. surgeries i can't even imagine having to have 26 surgeries at 27 i couldn't even imagine mm-hmm. it what you would have to go through. So going through all that, 26 surgeries, you know how strong you have to be to make it through 26 different surgeries? Just what that does to you mentally, let alone the recovery time, what that does to you physically. 
Mm. Minor or big, that's still a lot. Mm. So it made me realize that there's people that are, every single night, they're making that decision. They're thinking, should I kill myself tonight? And it's because the community, I think, is not big enough or they're not connected to the community. I think it's because there's not enough information around disabilities and illnesses Hmm. to normalize these things because a lot of people are dealing with stuff like this. Um, I think it's people feeling alone and they just don't like, I, I mean, when I was dealing with the pain, God, like the, the, the worst part was just the pain for me, the physical pain because my colitis was acting right. up so bad and you just wanted to stop. So when you're new to a disease that you've had no idea existed six months ago, and now you're dealing with this immense amount of pain, just knowing that you're not the only one going through that is a, is a big thing. And that's, okay. that's another part of the podcast is I want people to share what they've dealt with, what they've experienced in the various levels so that people understand, Hey, you're not the only one that's dealt with this. Like you're not alone and you're not valued less because of this. So it's, it's a lot of different things over the years that have kind of built up or I've gotten to the point where I'm just pissed off and annoyed at myself for waiting and pushing, pushing that off. But also at the point where it's like, okay, you know what, something needs to be done. And with COVID, I definitely noticed in the chronic community that suicide rates were going up in general. And in COVID, I mean, just all around suicide rates went up because mm-hmm. people are stuck at home. Mm-hmm. But thinking, you know, relating to myself, when I was first diagnosed, I couldn't, I was already inside and couldn't do enough things as it was. I couldn't imagine being stuck inside with COVID on top of it. Okay. So it's, it's, it's been a lot of things that just kind of pile together, but I think it's really important. And I think it's important for people to realize that a lot of the stuff that we struggle with in our communities, like, you know, I have colitis in the colitis community. A lot of other people deal with the same thing that don't have colitis. You know, they, they deal with that incredibly stressful doctor that makes you overly worried, overly stressed out for no reason, because they're not giving you enough information or you deal with the doctor that's not properly diagnosing you. It's not just in our communities. Like, Yes, colitis is one of the fewer diseases where diet is affecting it, but I deal with so much other stress and I've dealt with so much other stress that's not related specifically to colitis. It's related to idiot doctors that don't know what they're doing or that aren't educated enough or don't listen. It's all the nasty side effects from the medications that you've been on. It's the stress of the medical bills and the lack of communication around that ahead of time. It's... The stress of people in your social circle or work life treating you differently because of what you're dealing with. And that, that includes family members. So Hmm. the big thing for me is just bringing everybody together in one big community so that people realize what we deal with is not that uncommon and how people treat us and how things change and that we have a massive support network for each other if we just start intermingling outside of our you know specific diagnoses and i talk about it all the time so in the u.s because i looked it up 48 percent of the united states 
roughly, I know it's like point something, okay. has a major health concern. So that's from mm. chronic illness, disability, mental health concern, um, obesity. Some factor in their life puts them in the 48% of the United States that has some sort of major health issue. Yeah. Okay, that's it could be heart tough, disease, tough, it could be a bunch of different yeah. things. So it means like half of the United States is dealing with some sort of medical condition or issue that they need to address, that they're dealing with doctors, that they're on medications, that it's affecting how their life is. Yet the groups and the support groups are so tiny, like colitis and Crohn's, for example, because they get lumped together. Three million people in the United States, roughly. Okay. I think the colitis groups have, some of them have maybe 30,000 people. Some of them maybe have like 100,000 people. It's a really small amount. 48% of the United States population is like 160 million people. So 160 million people deal with very similar things on a regular basis. Yet when you start breaking all those people down into their individual groups, like, um, I was talking, I talked to a couple of girls that had dysautonomia. Dysautonomia is a rarer disease to get diagnosed with. So the amount of people that have it in the United States is incredibly low. And the support groups for that is even lower because not everybody's looking for a support group or even thinks about it. So you have this really rare disease or illness that doesn't have a lot of people to begin with and has an even smaller amount of people in the support groups. So all the issues you're dealing with, your doctor's issues, your medication issues, when you ask for support, it's such a small group that you're asking, where 70% of what they're dealing with that they need help with, they could come talk to the people with colitis. They could come talk to the people with diabetes. They could come talk to the people with autism. They could come talk to the other groups because we understand what you're dealing with and what it's like to be treated differently. Have we specifically been on that medication? No. Have we specifically dealt with a certain side effect? Maybe not. But there's a lot of information. There's a lot of knowledge that applies to everybody that deals with a doctor in general. That applies to everybody that takes medication, regardless of what it's for. There's so much information that can be shared. And I feel like there's these walls that are being put up around each group because people think it only applies to their group. And that's part of what I wanted to break with, with this podcast, because I had a different podcast name. I was just going to focus on Crohn's and colitis and it probably would have done really well, but I think we need to have a bigger conversation outside of our illness specifically and start talking Mm. as a large community of, Hey, here's how you handle the healthcare system. Here's how you handle doctors. Here's how you handle medications. Here's how you handle mental health. Those four things apply to everyone that goes to the doctors. Everyone, whether you're going for a routine checkup or whether you have a chronic illness or disability that you have to go on a regular basis, how you deal with a doctor, how you deal with medication, how you deal with your healthcare system and how you handle mental health applies to everyone, everyone. No ifs, no ands, no buts, Mm. everyone. Because all of the things that we deal with on a regular basis affect our mental health. 
and the extra things that we have to deal with put extra stress on us, can add depression. So we got to focus on mental health. Dealing how you handle your doctor is super important because certain doctors, you know, there's, there's different doctors of different levels. Some doctors are really good. Some doctors are really bad. You need to know how to address that. Medications, there's so many things you should know and you should ask before taking a new medication that they don't teach you in school and what to ask. Like nobody teaches you, hey, when you go to the doctor, ask about all the side effects up front. Ask how much it's going to cost with your, you know, your insurance plan. Ask what bad side effects it could have or how it could interact with your other medications in general. Nobody tells you that. So there's, there's just so much information that I think could be shared between groups. And I'm trying to start that. Do you think, do you, I, I mean, obviously you just don't, don't know how it's gonna uh, progress at the moment. Do you think you would, you would uh, try to uh, make some changes uh, happen around health insurance? So this is one of the things I've, I've talked about a couple times. Um, and it's, it's part of the justification for bringing everybody together and part of where I get the numbers from. Colitis and Crohn's makes up 3 million individuals in the United States. 3 million, that's 1% of the United States. Well, maybe a little bit more, give or take. 1%. And these statistics are as of 2015, because that's how often the CDC puts them out. They might be updating soon. I don't know. So 1%. Now, whenever you're doing something and you want a group of people to do it, what is the chance that you can get all 100% of them? It's not very likely. So say you have, maybe, maybe you're really good, really good at getting people rallied behind what you're doing. You're awesome at it. Maybe you get 20%, 20% of the people, 20%, that's it. 600,000 people with colitis okay. and Crohn's. 600,000 people in the United States will not do a damn thing when it comes to making change to how the government does something. 600,000 people is not enough to convince our government, especially the federal government, to no. do something. No, okay. Because you have to, you know, you, you'd have to focus on, okay, well, it's, if it's 600,000 people around the entire country, then you're targeting the federal government because you can't target like a specific state government that, that doesn't work. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, now, if you take people that are affected by a major health con condition, 48% of the country, roughly 160 million people 160 million people even if you get 10% of that 5 5% of that 5% even okay. that's 8 million people 8 million people are a lot more voices if you get 10% that's 16 million people in the United States if you have 16 million people fighting for or against something, you have a lot more power. And I say that because we had an issue with EpiPens in the United States and the cost of EpiPens going up. And obviously people that used EpiPens rallied behind it. And then some of the other chronic community helped it out. However, if you have all of the people in the United States that have health conditions, all rallied behind each other, whether a law 
or a form of legislation that comes into play affects everybody as a group, or if it affects one specific disease, you have the support of everyone. The only group in the United States that's done a really good job at unifying people when it comes to health is the Cancer Association. Okay. Cancer has done a really good job at building one giant community for people with cancer, regardless of what type of cancer it is. And I would say that cancer probably has the largest presence when it comes to support in the United States. Hmm. That's just cancer. Yeah, yeah. So it could be because it's so kind of like people see it as so life changing, you know, kind of like. Well, just it affects a lot of people. And because it's the same technical, I mean, cancer is it's a cancer. It's the same thing. It's just where it is in your body. I can see why they can, you know, they, they rally everybody around that. And then they have specific months for like breast cancer and the different cancers that, you know, affect the body. But that's just cancer rallying together around it. So if I could take a podcast and turn it into a brand that brings all the broken people together, essentially, because I can say that because I fall in the category. Um, the amount that we would be able to do and the change that we would be able to create in the United States alone, let alone on a bigger scale, I think it would be a lot more probable and i think there would be a lot more push behind it if the government has six hundred thousand people telling them that they need to do something that's adorable if the government has tens of millions of people pushing for something that's big that's really big i mean to put that in perspective if you could get 20 million people behind a cause Something like changing the healthcare okay. system or pushing for, you know, yeah. pushing for different healthcare benefits for those of us that need it. 20 million people in the presidential elections, each candidate had around 55 million people. So if you could get that kind of a backing for the healthcare system and for people that need the support, I just, I think there would be the potential to do a lot and fix a lot of the problems in the United States fix things like the cost of medication um, being one of the big ones, the cost of healthcare, accessibility to healthcare, especially in, you know, poor communities and poor areas um, and just kind of change healthcare standards as a whole. But okay. it comes down to unifying everybody in the health system and all the patients that are, you know, diagnosed with so many different things Pulling everybody together is a challenge, but it's it's kind of a goal, I would say for for the podcast. And and if if okay. I could do something like that, that'd be great. I mean, like I'm I'm I must admit that I really kind of like can't even imagine that people go bankrupt because they went sick. Yeah, kind of like you know, it's just like how this is you know kind of like how this is possible, like you know government should be helping people who you know are in trouble because of their uh, health not kind of like making because that's kind of like that's how that's that's how what it is really kind of like they just get more problems it's just like i don't even know how they 
they later kind of like you know put their life together it's like just unbelievable for me you know it's and that's i mean that's one of the things that that's that's kind of one of the things that we could tackle as a big group if if could get that kind of support down the road is you can pull everybody together you could start tackling those issues you could go after issue by issue you could go after you know the immense cost of things you could go after getting better support for people that lose their jobs you could start tackling these issues one by one Mm -hmm. so that that would be the ultimate goal of turning this podcast into a brand and doing something with it um it's just there's a lot of steps between here and there. Okay. I'm good that we're doing something because, uh, I mean, I'm glad that we're doing something and then, you know, kind of like what I'm having problems with, um, it's like how I call it feet mindset. Like I kind of like find it very difficult. I think that's autistic thing. Very difficult to imagine that by doing certain steps, I'm moving forward, like I want to be already out there somewhere, like, you know, I want things to happen instantly, you know, kind of like I find it difficult to imagine that, for example, by sending one email a day to a certain organizations, I can change something in five years. Like I want, I want to kind of like the change to happen like now. You know, uh, otherwise it, it seems to me like it's not going to happen. Never. Well, it's baby like, steps. Just, I kind of like, I, I know it, like, you know, in theory, but when I'm in a situation, it's just very difficult for me. And I sometimes like, I think probably that's one reason why I kind of like didn't, didn't try to go for things that I wanted because it was just too difficult to deal with this uh, imagine imag- this 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 idea that I can't I can't see how things are progressing. Do do you find it difficult to find people on the podcasts? Um no it's it's pretty easy to get people on the podcast. People are actually okay. pretty open to it. Um I definitely need some more people in the more recent time frame, but I mean, I'm, I'm working on that. And I'm, <clears throat> I remember going back to recording some solo podcasts and kind of focusing on some stuff coming up here, but. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, it's, 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 it's a lot. I mean, it's a big goal, but the way I look at goals is if you, if you, go for a big goal and you don't make it all the way at least you get if you get pretty far you're doing a lot with that as well just just keep doing what you're doing yeah so and how how do you advertise if you don't mind me asking i mean how do you advertise uh, how do you find listeners uh mostly facebook groups currently i'm gonna be starting to work with some companies coming up here soon but facebook groups yeah, Facebook groups are where I find most of my people currently. Um, I am going to be doing some more local advertising soon, which we'll be finding people locally, assuming things don't drastically change with COVID. 
Oh, okay. Because, yes, you know, well, COVID's fun. Oh, I just, you know, to be honest, I stopped reading the news a couple of, like, literally, I think, three months ago because I just found it too stressful. Like, I pretty much don't even know uh, what's happening now. I mean, obviously, I know it's not as serious as it was. And the, in the UK, there's pretty much, like, no... Um, restrictions now but apart from that I'm kind of like I find it difficult to imagine where things are progressing because I just don't read it you know it's like I found it so stressful like for example one day you read you you would read one scenario and the next day uh, it was something you know something totally opposite and I just like oh my god I just felt like screaming sometimes just because of the constant change like Sometimes the newspaper would um, publish an article without, you know, maybe without even uh, checking all the data properly. And I would just find it so stressful. <laughs> just just that, not, I mean, obviously the pandemic was stressful, that, that's another thing, but the fact that something wasn't written properly. So I'm thinking like now I'm, I'm not reading it anymore. Maybe that's better. Yeah, it happens, but yeah, so it's slow steps to, to work on changing things. But, but no, I, uh, I appreciate you coming on. It was very nice to talk to you. Thank you guys for stopping by and listening to the podcast. I appreciate everyone. Make sure you guys stop and check out chroniclivinginfo. Got a new website up and running that's going to be the main area to find all the social media content as well as accounts. So make sure you guys stop by if anyone's looking to share their story, volunteer, either time or experience. There's also going to be some links on there of how you guys can get involved. As always, I appreciate you guys and I'll see you in the next one.